Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Last weekend, we started a brand new series called The Four Wise. Somebody say, Four Wise. We're going to answer four different questions that we think are absolutely important in our society and our culture right now. Uh, I think there's a lot going on in culture, in the world. In fact, I'll actually say this. I think our faith is under attack in culture. I think it has been, but it just feels like it's increased in recent times. Just jump on Twitter or Instagram and you'll see that our faith is under pressure. And so what we believe here at Calvary is that you better know what you believe in. Uh, If you're not convinced about what you believe in, somebody else will convince you of something else. And all I know is that my faith is not a blind faith, it's a real faith. I know what I believe and why I believe it. And so we want to teach through this series on why we should know certain things. Last week we talked about why Jesus? Why do we believe in Jesus? Why do we worship Jesus? Why do we come in here and lift up our hands and have cross in our house or in our auditorium or whatever? Like, why why Jesus? We address that. You can catch that on YouTube. Today, we're going to talk about why pain? Why is there pain and suffering in the world? I think people ask that question uh, a whole lot. And so we better have some answers and try to figure this out together. We're going to talk about that today. Next week, I'm really excited about next week. Next week, we're talking about why the Bible? Why do we read the Bible? Why do we trust the Bible? So many people do not trust the Bible. We're going to talk about that next week. Don't miss it. Bring somebody. I think it's going to be awesome. And then we're going to talk about why do we do church? So I'm really pumped about this series. In fact, grab your Bibles. Go to the book of James. Go to the book of James. In Spanish, is called Hamis. <laughs> it's really not, but it just sounds great. James chapter 1. James is toward the back. It's a New Testament book. It's all the way toward the back. Hamis chapter 1. Go to James chapter 1. Come on, as you're going there, look at the person you're sitting next to and tell them you look fantastic this morning. Come on, look at the person on the opposite side, the person you first avoided, and tell them, you got resurrected after last week. You look great. I'm actually proud of John. John just recently married, cooking now at marriage. Come on, what a man of God. That was a great example. James chapter 1. Hey, if you're uh, watching online, we're going to put it up on the screen. If you're here and you don't have a Bible, you can share with the person next to you. And if both of you are single, you never know what can happen in church. Uh, But if you don't have a Bible, you don't feel comfortable with your neighbor, we're going to put it up on the screens as well. James chapter 1, we're beginning to read in verse 2. I want you to follow along because I think this is extremely important when we talk about pain and suffering. Look at what James says about pain. If you're there, can you say amen? Amen. Verse 2. Consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything if any of you lacks wisdom you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and will be given to you. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts 
is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. James chapter 1, consider it joy when you go through trials of many kinds. Today we're talking about pain. So many people ask the question, why pain? Let's learn together. Let's try to get better together. Today, I want to talk to you from this title. I've titled it this way. I'm getting developed or I'm in development. Look at three people around you and tell them I'm in development. Come on, look at, look at the person behind you and tell them I'm getting developed. Some people are like the person next to me needs to get developed a whole lot. Let's pray. We're going to talk about James chapter 1. We'll worship Jesus one more time and then have an incredible Sunday afternoon. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for your love. Thank you already for the amazing day that we've had. Thank you for our time together here uh, in person and online, everybody watching and connected. Holy Spirit, speak to us, minister to us, make us better. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. It is in your name that we pray. All of God's people say one more time. Come on, all of God's people say, can you make some noise for Jesus this morning? Come on. How many know that uh, perspective is an absolute important thing? How you view something is absolutely important. I uh, still remember when I was 12 years old. When I was 12 years old, I was walking down my neighborhood and I saw a cat down the street. It looked like a nice little kitten, cat, kitty cat. And um, I, I thought to myself, this is a beautiful cat. It's an amazing cat. Um, I, let me go up to the cat and pet the cat. Any cat lovers in here? Well, I'm going to pray in a little bit, but... Um, I thought I was a cat lover, approached the cat with sincerity, innocence, love, and affection. I'm an animal lover, and so I was like, ah, oh, cat, this is awesome. I approached the cat, I started to pet the cat, and within moments, um, it turned into a demon, just a demon. I don't know what happened, but it started manifesting. Um, this cat absolutely lost its mind and started to claw, scratch, and attack my arm absolutely went crazy I had a perspective of a beautiful innocent loving cat and now I found out they are the devil spawns here on earth anybody with me any dog lovers in the house can I get an amen <laughs> yeah, perspective is absolutely important how you see something right today just with that as I transition to pain um how do you view pain? How do you and I view pain? My perspective on the cat led me to a bad destination with the cat. How do you view pain? Because if you view pain the wrong way, you'll end up in a bad destination. In fact, I'll put it this way. I think a problem happens with pain when we view it the wrong way. I'll put it this way. The wrong view will lead to a bad conclusion. The wrong view of pain will lead me and you in a bad conclusion. If we see pain as a punishment of God, if we see pain as coming from God, it'll lead us to a conclusion that's incorrect about God. 
Me losing my job, God, that means you do not care. So I will not pray. Me still being sick in my body means that God is not involved. So I will not ask for healing. My marriage being broken means God does not intervene. So I'll stop asking. Me still going through financial problems in my life means that God does not provide. So I'll stop coming to church and asking and worshiping and being with my brothers and sisters. Me still being in addiction or in bondage must mean that God does not deliver. So I'll just step back and stop a relationship with God because my wrong view of pain ended up in a bad conclusion about God. I think today, all over the world, there's so many people today that have a wrong view of pain and it's led to them to a bad conclusion about God. Well, God, he does not care. That's not true. Well, God does not intervene. That is not right. God is not a healer. That's in, like theologically incorrect. God does not deliver. I want to tell you, you are wrong. Just because you're in pain right now does not mean that, does not, that God does not care, does not heal, does not deliver, does not come through, does not intervene. In fact, maybe you're in here today or watching online and you're saying, Alex, but you have no idea what I'm going through. You don't know my pain. You don't know what I'm walking through. You haven't gone through my addiction. You haven't gone through my broken home. You have no idea what I'm up against. I face pain in my life. I've gone through grief in my life. You may be right, but I want to tell you, don't let that define the image of God and what the Bible says is true about God. We may not understand everything about pain, but we can know this. The Bible tells us that God does love us, that God is for us, that God is on our side, that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask, think, or imagine. The word of God tells me he is a healer. He is a deliverer that he is for me. He loves me. Come on. God is able. So I'm not going to let my pain define my God. How do you view pain? In fact, I'll put it this way. Choose the right perspective to get better, not bitter. Choose the right perspective to get better. Somebody shout, I'm getting better. Today, I think we can get better through pain, not bitter through pain. I don't understand why it happens. I don't know what it's doing in my life so many times. God, why is this happening? I, I'm not going to lean into what I don't know about God. What I do know is he's a good God. He's for me. He's with me. Especially if we are believers in Jesus. Now when he sees me, he sees his son. Which means he sees me and he's pleased. He's loved. Come on, this is the God. He loves me. When you're in G, all I know, that's what the Bible tells me. So where does pain come from? Why is there so much pain in the world? Come on, we just turn on the TV for, for five seconds and you see pain in the world. You just watch the news for three minutes and there's so much suffering all over the world. Where does pain come from? I think it, it literally goes back to Genesis chapter 1. It does not come from God because in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth. And he said that it was all good. Somebody say good. good. Come on, he made you and he said it was good. <laughs> I wake up in the morning and say, God said it was good. Look in the mirror. Come on, somebody. Preach to yourself. He made the heavens and the earth and he said that it was good. It was good. Then he made Adam and Eve and they were the first human beings, the first representatives of humanity. We believe the Bible. Well, how do you know that to be true? Come back next week. It's going to be awesome. Um, Adam and Eve were the first humans on earth. Now he gave them this thing called free will. 
And he told them, these are the boundaries. Don't eat from the fruit of the tree. We talked a little bit about this on Good Friday, but Adam and Eve decided to go against God, and they decided to eat of the fruit of the tree. They sinned against God. How many of you are still mad at Adam and Eve? <laughs> now, now, we could blame them, but the truth is, like, why did they eat the fruit of the tree? But we can't even control our own lives. We would have done the same. We can't stop eating Krispy Kreme. Can I get an amen? Like, they sinned. And the truth is, we sin every single day. Right? Now, now, when they sin, that is called original sin. That is what, in theology, we call the original sin of humanity. Original sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, that was original sin. It's original sin that destroyed the relationship between humanity and God. They offended God. They dishonored God. They went against his will, his love for us, all that he had. God wanted a perfect relationship with humanity. He walked with them, talked with them daily. But humanity, the Bible says, we always choose darkness over light. We sin. Humanity loves to sin. We love to sin. Now, we are all born in sin. The Bible says that because of Adam and Eve, now all of us are sinful. And the moment they sinned, it brought chaos into our world. It brought suffering. It brought pain. It destroyed the relationship between us and God that was broken. Now, sin with it has brought death. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it actually says this. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Original sin caused death, sin, and destruction in our world. When you look at our world, you may see a beautiful mountain, a beautiful waterfall, a beautiful city like Miami, right? It looks awesome, but the Bible says that it's all in disarray. It's in disorder. Sin has entered the system of the world, the bloodline of humanity, and we're all sitting in a world that is now decaying. It looks awesome, but imagine what it looked like before sin entered the world. Now, it's in disarray, it's in disorder, but the Bible says that God's not going to leave it like that forever. One day, God says Jesus will come back again, and he'll make a new heaven, and he'll make a new earth. Come on, that's the promise that we have in Scripture. But the moment Adam and Eve sinned, death came in through the body. We all literally start dying the moment we are born. The body starts decaying. The Bible says that creation is groaning for God to come back. Make us new again. So because of our sin, there is now pain and suffering in the world. So God is not the creator and God is not the author of pain. But what we can learn from scripture is that although God is not the author of pain, God can certainly use pain. God did not create it. God did not start it. But because there's pain and suffering in the world, he's such a good God that he'll even take our sin, our death, our suffering, and he can actually do something in our lives through it. God is doing something in our pain. James says, consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. Now, James, what are you talking? Who is this James to say? Be happy when you go through test. I don't know about you, but I've never been happy when I've been tested. Since elementary school. <laughs> right? Like, consider it joy when you face not just any trial, but many trials. One translation says any kind of trials. Some of us were like, okay, this kind of trials, I'll take it. This one I like, God, but not this one. James says, no, no, consider it all. 
as a testing of your faith and consider it joy. Now, who's James to be talking about like this? Well, the one who's writing this book is James, the brother of Jesus. This is James, the brother of Jesus. Now, you have to understand, get a little bit of context. James did not believe that Jesus was the son of God. That was his brother. He was a non-believer. Imagine growing up. Anybody in here have siblings? Come on. Anybody have siblings, brothers or sisters? Yesterday, by the way, I just found out, yesterday was National Siblings Day. So I hope you celebrate it. If not, celebrate it today if you like your siblings. If not, um, just don't. But um, imagine growing up and your brother or your sister saying they were the Messiah. I have a sister. My sister Priscilla up here. I love her. She's awesome. And uh, Yeah. No, yeah. She's awesome. <laughs> like I can't imagine my sister saying, I am the Savior of humanity. She already thinks she is. But imagine like she really said. <laughs> I'm kidding. My sister's awesome. She's single, by the way. And look, uh, like imagine, like them saying, I, I am the son of God. That would be annoying. Now, growing up, if they were perfect, that would be even more annoying. So James is a non-believer. If anybody knows pain, it's James, because now he sees his brother at the age of 33 being crucified in front of his face. Though probably he didn't believe the Bible. Most historians believe that when the Bible and the Gospels tell us that his brothers and sisters did not believe him. Many believe it was a couple of months right before crucifixion. He doesn't believe Jesus is the son of God. But yet he sees his brother crucified. He saw his brother literally like killed in front of him. Crucified, a slow death in front of him. James has seen pain. By the way, he went from a non-believer to a believer because the Bible says that three days later, Jesus resurrected. And when he resurrected, he showed up in his brother's house. And he says, I, don't, I know you don't believe, but I was dead and now I'm alive because I'm the resurrection and the life. Come on, why do we believe Jesus? Because he did not stay in the grave and he is alive. Anybody thankful for risen Jesus? Come on, give God a big praise today. He's alive. And so James, James sees his brother resurrected. You got to believe then. In fact, he believes so much that he now becomes a leader of the early church in Jerusalem. He sees his brother ascend. Over 500 witnesses see Jesus ascend. James becomes a leader in the church. He now becomes a pastor in a church. He literally becomes an apostle in the church, overseeing many congregations from a non-believer to a believer. He's seen pain, and now he's writing to people who are living in pain. The book of James is addressing churches in Jerusalem who are living in pain because there was Christians that were being persecuted at that time. By the way, if anybody ever comes to tell you that God comes to make you healthy and wealthy and to live without pain, that is not the true gospel. That kind of stuff only works in America. Like, let's go tell a pastor in China who's hiding in a basement with his life being threatened every day that God just came to make you happy. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go talk to a pastor in Africa. I've been there who doesn't have a place to sleep, doesn't have the comfortable bed, but he's still serving Jesus because the gospel doesn't come to make you happy. The gospel comes to make you holy. The gospel comes to forgive you. Come on, the gospel comes to make you right with almighty God. Oh, come on, we were sinners. We were against God. But because of Jesus, we've been forgiven. We've been delivered. We've been saved. Come on, anybody grateful for Jesus? Everything else that comes along is a blessing, is an add-on. But the main thing is to forgive us and make us right with God. 
So James is addressing a bunch of Christians who are going through persecution. Many of them are living in poverty. And James says, hey, I know you're going through a tough time. But consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. Why does he say that? He says, because it's producing perseverance on the inside of you. In other words, in other words, listen to this. In other words, what he is saying is that pain has a purpose. Well, that, that helps out. See, what, what I've noticed is that a lot of people, it's not that they hate pain. They hate pain without purpose. As long as there's purpose behind the pain, you'll be able to bear it. What do you mean? Have you ever seen a mom give birth? Like, that's painful. Not as painful as when, like, when we men get a cold or a fever. Like, that's a little bit more painful, but close. Secondary largest pain would be childbearing. <laughs> like, like, a, like a, a woman is in pain when she's giving birth. But she will withstand the pain and bear the pain because on the other side of that will be the most beautiful baby that she would fall in love with. She, some people would have two, three, four, five, six babies and they will go through all that pain because they love children so much. Like you will bear the pain as long as there's purpose attached to it. Have you seen people that do CrossFit? Like, why do, the, why do people go to the gym each and every single day and bear pain? Because they know there's purpose behind the pain. They say, when I'm done at the end of this workout, I'll look more like Alex. <laughs> Ulysses knows what I'm talking about. I'm trying to look like him. Come on, that's, uh, that's our Christian he-man right there. I'll put up with pain because there's purpose behind it. James says, there's a purpose behind your pain. Don't throw in the towel. Don't get bitter. Get better. God is doing something. I came to tell somebody today in the morning, come on, don't waste your pain. God is using it. God is doing something. God is making you stronger. God is making you better. I'm not going to waste my pain. I may not understand it, but through it, God is up to something. Come on, I'm in development. Somebody say, I'm getting developed. He's doing something with that pain. We may not understand it. We don't get it. We might fuss about it. But James says, hey, consider it joy because it's producing perseverance on the inside of you. Don't waste your pain. You can actually learn from your hurts. You can get better from your losses. The first thing that he says is that it produces perseverance. Somebody shout perseverance. In other words, number one, what it does is that it comes to give you strength for the long haul. Strength for the long haul. Last uh, summer, kind of like two months, three months into quarantine, last spring, last summer, um, I started working out. Yeah, more, more, more than once a week. <laughs> a, a friend of ours from church uh, started coming to my house like every single day. He was in quarantine. I was in quarantine as far as like he... He wasn't working and we were quarantined at home. So he's like, hey, I'll go over your house and let's work out every day. I said, let's do it. And he started training me. Um, his trainings were painful. They were intense. They were literally um, probably from hell itself. Um, I was in immense pain. I, I felt like, I, I remember the first couple of days, weeks, maybe months, I, I, I was like, I can only do like 15, 20 minutes. Like, this is intense. It was nonstop, like training, working out hardcore. 
And um, the first, I mean, after like 15, 20 minutes, I felt like I was going to throw up. Uh, you know, 25 minutes, I'm like, are you serious? Like, are you, like, you are not from God. This is not right. This is like suffering. This, this, what are you doing? Like, let's just go take a walk around the neighborhood. Like, why are you doing this? And he says, hey, hey, we're getting your conditioning up. And I don't understand. I'm like, what do you mean my conditioning? I use conditioner every day. <laughs> he says, your, your body right now is getting used to it so that a month from now, two months from now, three months from now, when we do these workouts again, your body will now be used to what it endured. When James says it produces perseverance, the word in the Greek there is more properly translated endurance. When you go through testing of your faith, when you go through pain, it's actually building up endurance. You are getting stronger so that the next time you go through a test, you'll be able to withstand it better than the first time. Have you ever seen marathon runners? Marathon runners are basically people who run for fun. Run many miles for fun. Any marathon runners in here? We'll pray for you along with cat people at the end of service. And um, like I'm not talking about run one, two, three miles. Like run multiple miles like 15 20 uh, a full marathon is it at 26 miles 26.2 miles 26 that number is not even godly why would you run 26 miles now how they build up endurance to get to 26 miles they start by running one mile at a time marathon runners when they start training they might be able to run two three miles max the next time they go out to the field and run again they say if i did three miles last time i could probably do six miles this time I may be able to do seven the next time. Eight. They're building up endurance. Football players, before starting a season, they have a thing called preseason. And what they're doing is that they're conditioning their bodies so that when the season begins, their body is ready for all that it's going to take. Boxers, before they get into a ring for 12 rounds, they prepare themselves as if the fight is going to last 12 rounds. In case it does, they won't give up in the middle of the fight. James says it's producing perseverance. In other words, you're getting more endurance with every test that comes your way. It's producing. There's a purpose behind it. When a test comes to your life, it's making you stronger for the long haul. So the next time that you are in a test, you can look at the first test and say, if God got me out of that test, then certainly I got more faith in this test. Because if he got me out of that mess, then certainly he's with me in this mess. When you get through your third test, you can say, if he got me out of the first two messes, certainly he's going to deliver me now I know he's with me in this test you're building up endurance for the fight because God needs some strong soldiers not some soldiers to throw in the towel are you with me come on somebody say I'm getting developed he's developing perseverance endurance on the inside of you in other words trials come to build trust Every single trial, every single test is making you stronger in your confidence of God. That's why you see some believers that have been walking with Jesus for 20 years, 23 years, 30 years, 35 years. They just have this strength about them. You ever been around like one of those old believers who just have this faith 
because life has hit them and tried to knock them down over and over and over again. And they just stand believing in his word. They're not emotional Christians. They're not a Christian that is just looking for things. They're a Christian who has withstood the test of time. And they say he's faithful. If he's been with me when I had no money, if he was with me when I was sick in the hospital, if he saw my family through, if he was able to fix my marriage, if he was able to provide, certainly I got strength for the long haul. I've stood through the test of time and all I know is that God is faithful. All I know is that he's able. I don't understand the pain, but it made me stronger. Anybody with me? Come on, it made me stronger. Like, they run a marathon for a ribbon. You run 26.2 miles to get something around your neck that after a year or two is in your garage collecting dust. Like, that's cool and all, but James says persevere because at the end of it, you'll receive the crown of life in eternity. Oh, I'm standing and I'm not letting my problems define who my God is. I'm not letting this pain come and shake me. I'm going to stand. James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I'm strengthening. Can I tell you? Like pain doesn't just come to build perseverance. It also comes to refine us. So many of us are defined by our pain. And I think all of us today, we can learn not to be defined by pain, but to be refined by pain. The testing of your faith literally means to be refined. In other words, God wants to burn some stuff off our life. The testing of our faith comes to show you, you don't need everything you think you need in life. Because when test comes, it shows you what's really important. It gives you strength for the long. Like it will burn stuff off. What, what do you need to let go of today? What do you need to let go of? And, and pain is a teacher. It's teaching me. I was holding on to something that I thought was life. I thought that relationship could do it. I thought that car would bring me happiness. I thought that house would do it. That career would do it. I thought that man was going to do it. I thought this situation. But when pain came, it actually came to strengthen me as it burns stuff off my life. Be refined by the fire. You'll come out as gold on the other side. Number one, we're strengthened for the long haul. And he says, let perseverance complete its work, James says. Consider it pure joy. Be joyful when you go through pain because it's producing perseverance, he said. Strength for the long haul. And then he says, let it complete its work so that you may be mature and complete. Second thing that it does is that it brings maturity for the mission. It comes to mature us. The word there in the Greek is literally to be complete or perfect. Can I tell you, the number one goal of God in a Christian's life is to make them more like Jesus. The number one goal of God in your life is to make you more like his son Jesus. It's not to give you a lot of good things. It's not to bless you. It's not to give you houses and cars. It's not to make you a worldwide evangelist. It's not to get you a bunch of Instagram likes and followers. Like the gospel brings a lot of good stuff. God bless you. But the main thing, it comes to sanctify you. It comes to make you more like his son. 
In other words, when it's talking about maturity there, what it's really saying is that God prefers fruits in your life than possessions in your life. God wants us to mature. In other words, God's more interested in giving us character than giving us commodities. He's trying to mature us. He doesn't want you to be incomplete. He wants to not only burn things off through perseverance, but he wants to add things on through maturity. Pain comes to give you stuff that you need in the fight. I remember when we were young, I'm talking about really young, and I was like maybe four, five, six years old. My parents here, they're awesome. I love them. My dad, literally, we used to go out to the ocean or to a pool. You know what my dad used to do? He used to grab us. He says, are you ready? I'm like, ready for what? Run! Throw us right into the ocean. To throw us right in. Great dad. I love him. He's awesome. Parenting skills 101. You know, probably in our young mind, we're like, dad, what are you doing? Letting me go in the ocean or the pool. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Why are you doing this? Like, this is painful. I'm, I'm, I'm like nervous. I'm going crazy. And my dad's like, yeah, but you're, you're developing a skill that you didn't have before. You're going to learn how to survive in this water. And, and even if you can't, thank God it's never based on your skill. It's based on his skill. And he's there to catch you even if you think you're drowning. But it, it develops some skill on the inside of me. Maturity comes to develop some skill on the inside of you. Like he, he's looking for you to develop and be a better, more complete Christian. To be more like Jesus. So God does not create pain, but he'll use pain to develop you. Because he wants you to be more, more mature. Like the statue of Jesus. To get to his stature. To get to his stature, to his level. He's the ideal human being. It was Jesus. Now he's God in the flesh, obviously. But he's saying, I want you to look more like him. Think more like him. Love more like him. Act more like him. And so he says, I want you to be more gentle. He's talking about fruits of the spirit. I want you to be more patient. I want you to have self-control. Like, can you be loving? Can you be kind? That's what maturity means. In other words, don't stay as a spiritual baby. Like, you, you see a baby, a baby when it's an infant, when it's little, when it's small, all it does is drink milk. If you read through the New Testament, Paul will confront us and say, hey, at one point you got to stop drinking milk. Whoa. What, what are you saying, Paul? Yeah, move on from milk to more solid food of the word. In other words, don't just come in here on Sunday and, like, I love it. I love gathering here. We should gather. I mean, it's biblical to gather, and so we do it out of obedience. I'm here every Sunday, even when I don't feel like it, because it's good for my soul. But, but if you're just an emotional Christian, you're going to be in trouble when pain comes. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews. Can we put up Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 5. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Basically, if you stay as an immature Christian who never goes through pain, never learns through pain, when pain comes, those emotions are not going to keep you. A nice, cool worship song is not going to keep you. Like a lot of Christians, I think what they are is just extremely emotional. They love the hype. They love the atmosphere, and it's great. It's good for your faith, but, but what do you do when life comes to knock you out? What do you do when you get that phone call of that tragedy? Like we got a week and a half ago, a friend of mine's from our youth group that drowned in the ocean. What, what do you do? What do you do when, when it looks like God is not a healer? 
What do you look like? Wait, when God, when it looks like God does not intervene. It's been a rough week, a rough two weeks. A week and a half ago, lost one friend who drowned in the ocean. This past week, I lost another friend in the operating table as he was getting a kidney transplant. Both men of God, young men of God, serve God in church, loving God with their families, with their wives. God, I don't understand this. If I'm a baby in my faith, those emotions will be gone quickly. But him that is spiritually mature knows the word. And he says, you need to be skilled. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. In other words, I'm now sitting, trying to get more mature every day. God, use this pain to mature me, to grow me, to understand that it doesn't mean that you're a bad God, but you allow things for a reason, sometimes beyond my understanding. But I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to get more in my word. I'm going to get closer to you. I'm going to hang on to you because none of life makes sense at times. The only thing that makes sense is that humanity is sinful, but God is good, and he saved us and rescued us for eternity. That alone gives me like a sufficient answer to withstand right pain right now. I'm just going to trust in what I do know, God. Learn scripture. And the devil can't come to fool me when life gets hard. I want to be more mature. Anybody want to grow? Anybody want to develop? He says, so that you may be whole and complete. And then, he, and then James says, lacking nothing. Remember, he's writing to people who are lacking everything. Christians who didn't have anything. We're blessed in America, and I think sometimes America's great. I thank God for this country, best country in the world. But one thing that is done to our theology is that it's mixed it up. Because we think being Christian means having everything. Like, there's Christians in the world even still today, like much like in the book of James, who don't have nothing. All they have is their faith. All they have is their Jesus. And it's when you find out, when Jesus is all you got, you find out Jesus is all you need. And so James goes, hey, hey, let it do its work in you. Let perseverance be complete. So that way you may be mature and complete and you won't lack anything. Because he's talking about spiritual matters. If, if you're of a fleshly mind, you'll still be like, yeah, but I, I, God, I still don't got, I still don't got a job. And I, I still don't got that car I need. And I still don't got that PS5. And I still don't got those. Like, and he's like, hey, hey, hey. You may not have everything you want, but if you let God work in you through pain, you'll have everything you need. Everything you need. And then he gives us a clue as to what's the most important thing that you need. Following verse, James chapter 1, verse 5. He says this, if any of you lacks, right after talking about testing, right after talking about trials, as he's talking about pain, he says, let it produce perseverance in you. Let perseverance bring maturity in you. Strength for the long haul. Maturity for the mission. And then he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. In other words, the greatest thing that pain will come to give us is wisdom. It's wisdom. So I would say strength for the long haul maturity for the mission and wisdom for the journey I um, this past week on Thursday I went to play golf it's my uh, it's my third time ever playing golf 
I don't know what I'm doing. Never. I used to look at golf since I was little, and I'm like, what? That's the most boring sport in the world. Like, I, I don't get it. You just literally hit a ball, try to make it in the hole. Cool. I may, I prefer, I'll go to mini golf, and then um, I'll go. And they invited me to play golf, and, and it's become a challenge now. It's a real sport. And it takes a whole lot of patience and it takes a whole lot of skill that I did not know before. And uh, so I'm just getting knowledge of the game. Like they just started teaching me certain things about the game. And I went with uh, Lewis. I went with Kenny. I went with a few guys from church. And and they're like, hey, so I, I just used to see a bunch of sticks and I didn't understand. Like just grab any stick, hit the ball, you're good. Right? And they're like, no, no, no. There's different clubs. You got some irons and you got some woods. And I'm like, what does this all even mean, right? It depends where you are, how far you are from the hole. It depends how many yards to the flag that you got to use a different stick for every single one. In other words, what they're teaching me is don't just know knowledge, have information about the sticks. You got to have wisdom as to how to use them and when to use them. God does not just want you to have knowledge that perseverance is happening and maturity is happening. He also says, I can use your pain for many different things. Ask God for wisdom. God, why am I going through this? God, why, why did you allow this thing in my life? Why did I go through this pain, through this grief? Why am I hurting right now? Why did my marriage fall apart? Why did you allow that in my relationship, in my house? God, why, why did I have to go through that addiction, through that loss? Why did I have to go through that grieving moment? He'll give you wisdom. And if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God and he'll give it to you generously. But when you ask, ask believing. Otherwise, you'll be double-minded. In other words, don't let pain confuse you. Let the wisdom of God use you. In other words, God says pain has a purpose. And one of the purpose is for that pain to become a platform in your life. Let God use you. God, how, how can God use pain? I don't know. Every situation is different. Not up here saying we know all the answers. We don't. We're just relying on what we do know. And Jesus used the greatest pain of his life with the infinite wisdom of God to bring unlimited grace to all who believe. Today, how does God want to use your pain? I recall the story of Paul, Paul who, who loved Jesus. I mean, you all talk about a good Christian, a perfect Christian. It seems like Paul was it. Paul gets radically saved. He starts preaching the gospel all throughout the known world of the time, all over Asia Minor, and he's planting churches, pastoring churches. Like, if it looks like anybody should not go through pain, it's Paul. Like, Paul's, Paul's a believer, a firm believer, a preacher of the gospel certainly he doesn't go through pain and yet we read the new testament and, and paul goes through pain just read a little bit the bible says he was literally like they threw rocks at him to try to stone him to death they whipped him they beat him one point they had to carry him half dead locked up in jail many times a firm believer in jesus going through that much pain why does god allow it i don't know but he can use it we don't have all the answers, but we have a little bit of a clue that it, it was producing perseverance inside of Paul. It was producing maturity inside of Paul. And all of a sudden, Paul got some wisdom in his pain. And we see in Philippians chapter 1, as he's writing this letter 
from a prison. He is literally in chains in a, probably a cold dungeon type of jail. Like this isn't TGK here in Miami. Like this is like, TGK is like a hotel. You got air conditioner, TV. I've never been there, but I've heard. Like it's like, that's like, he was in a real dungeon prison. Like imagine probably rats, rodents, the kind of smells, darkness, chained, locked up. Yet in Philippians chapter one, verses 12 and on, he says, now I want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. I love that. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul is saying, I don't know why I'm in chains. I don't know why I've gone through all of this. But one thing I do know is that he's using these chains to further advance the gospel. And so whether I'm in prison or out of prison, whether I'm free or I'm bound up, whether you catch me in church or whether you catch me in prison every single moment of pain I'm using it as a platform through the wisdom of an infinite God to say God use my life use every painful moment use every tear God and I know that you're with me and I'll trust in you even through the most painful moments of my life you can advance your purposes today I don't know what your pain is but I know that he can strengthen you for the long haul I know he that can mature you for the mission and give you wisdom for the journey. Today, I don't know about you, but I'm choosing to get better, not bitter. Because the wrong view will lead me to a bad conclusion. I know he loves me. I know he's for me. Today, I know that God wants to remind you he's with you. I want us to stand up on our feet and close our eyes. Why don't, why don't we take a moment to just pray for a moment? I know we usually come in, we hear a message, sing some songs, and then we're out. But I really feel in my heart this morning that we're going to pray for some people. There's people in here today that you are living in pain, walking in pain. Whether it's pain of a broken marriage, whether it's pain of an addiction, something you've been tied to for too long. Maybe it's the pain of financial messes that have left you all out of order and going crazy. Maybe it's pain of something that happened to relationships. Maybe, maybe it's the pain of kids that have gone all over the place and not the way you intended or thought. Maybe it's pain of losing a loved one. Maybe it's pain of a sickness, a disease in your life that it looks like God is not healed. I don't know what your pain is today. Pain of anxiety, pain of depression, discouragement. All I know is he's not the author of pain, but he can certainly use your pain. Today he wants to produce perseverance on the inside of you, strengthen you on the inside. Today he wants to make you more complete, more perfect, more mature to look like Jesus. And today he wants to give you wisdom on how to use that pain. So with every eye closed and every head bowed all over this place, and if you're online and watching, we'd love to pray for you as well. If you're here today, you say, that's me. I just need the Holy Spirit to come encourage me in this moment. I need God to strengthen me. I want to consider it joy no matter what I'm facing. Come on, there's joy for you today. There's joy for you.
pain will not define you it will just refine you you won't be identified by that pain in fact many times God won't deliver you but he'll develop you and so today if that's you at the count of three can you raise your hand we'll love to pray for you this morning you're saying I'm in pain I need, I need God to come help me I need to find the purpose of this pain be developed in this pain find joy through the test if that's you at the count of three raise your hand one two three raise your hand hands raised all over this place I'm going to ask pastors elders connect group leaders if you could walk around the auditorium and just lay hands and start praying over people with their hands raised in fact if God gives you a word of encouragement a word of knowledge go ahead and share with them pray over them father we thank you so much come on if that's you if you're saying today I'm in pain I need God to help me raise your hand we'll love to pray for you God we thank you so much for each and every single person throughout this auditorium those online watching that are in moments of pain right now we don't understand everything but we trust in what we do understand and God this morning we're standing on your word your word says that you're good your word says that you love us your word says that you have purposes and plans for our life that you have a hope and a future not to destroy us not for evil but for good and so this morning we're standing what we do know that those of us who are in Jesus are forgiven are loved are righteous and God your your goodness shines upon us your loving kindness is toward us so we're standing in that and so standing in that I pray that you begin to heal those that are in moments of pain right now walking through pain whether they're walking through grief hurt heartache in Jesus name Holy Spirit I pray that you move through this auditorium I pray that you heal I pray that you save I pray that you deliver God I pray that you will build up perseverance maturity growth wisdom in our life that will hold on to what we do know that we won't be tossed around like the winds do with the waves God but we'll stand on your word strong mature complete lacking nothing God we thank you we love you I pray that you would just develop us today God to be more mature Christians not drinking the milk anymore but onto solid food knowing your word and trusting your word and standing in your word and declaring your word God we thank you that you are a healer God in Jesus mighty name we thank you that you are with us we thank you that you are for us and if you're for us who can be against us all the days of our life so we pray for strength this morning we pray that you develop us mature us God we pray that you would do the impossible in this place we thank you God hallelujah heal hearts with pain help us to trust you and grow closer to you thank you Jesus you can put every hand down if you still need prayer we would love to pray for you afterwards in the connect area or approach one of the pastors up here after service but with every eye closed and every, every head bowed we'll leave it in just a moment but I don't want to close without giving people an opportunity to enter into a relationship with God come on with eyes closed and head bowed and pastors praying leaders praying this is the most important part of our service if you're here today and you say Alex I, I don't know God I, I feel far from God I feel distant from God I feel like God probably wants nothing to do with me because of some of the stuff that I've done in my own life or maybe some of the stuff that you're currently doing the Bible says that all of us were sinners and our sin separates us from God I'm a sinner you're a sinner all of us have failed God in one way or another there's not one perfect person in this place We've all sinned, we've all failed, thought wrong, done wrong, said wrong. And God is holy, he can't be with sin. Sin separates, breaks the relationship between God and man. But the Bible says that God is also love and he sent his son Jesus. Jesus came and he grabbed all of my sin, your sin. 
He grabbed all the sins of humanity, put it on his shoulders. And the Bible says that Jesus went up on a cross and he paid the penalty for our sins. The Bible says that the wages or that the end of sin is death. And our sins should have killed us. But Jesus says, I'll give up my life for sin. The Bible says there on that cross, he, he gave up his life. He laid his life down for me and for you. Jesus died for our sins, went down to a grave. He was in a grave for three days. But the Bible also says that after three days, he resurrected from the dead. He died for our sin, but then he resurrected to give us brand new life. Come on, with every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're in here today, you're saying, Alex, I need forgiveness for my sins. I know I've done wrong. I want a relationship with this God. I want forgiveness today. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're in here today or if you're watching online and you say, Alex, I need a relationship with God. I need a brand new beginning. I'm tired of how I'm living. I need forgiveness for my sins. I want a brand new beginning with God. I want a brand new relationship. I need forgiveness today. I want to put my faith and my trust in Jesus. With eyes closed and head bowed, if that's you at the count of three, raise your hand. Hold it up just for a few seconds and you can put it right back down. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over this auditorium. Amazing, amazing. God bless you. 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 Amazing, amazing. God bless you. Awesome, awesome. Anybody else who raise your hand? All of you who raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. In fact, all of us together, why don't we say it as one big family? Together, let's say it with them. We're putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. Repeat these words after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins and on the third day you resurrected. Come into my life, be my Lord and be my savior. In Jesus name, amen, amen and amen. Come on, one more time, can we make some noise for every single person? That's made a decision to follow Jesus. Awesome. Thank you, Yoli. Hey, if you raise your hand, if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, outside, we're leaving in just a minute. Uh, we're going to give you a free Bible. Pass by our Connect tent. There's a lot of people there that want to high-five you and give you a free gift from our behalf to you. We love you. We're here for you. We believe God's best for your life. Come on, one more time. Give them a hand. Amen. Come on. Anybody thankful that God can use everything in our life to make us better? I don't know about you, but I want to get better. I don't want to get bitter. I want to keep the right view of God, knowing that he loves me and he's for me. And today, I think you also, more than um, just knowing about the Bible, you can know the God of the Bible. And you can know him in a close relationship as you walk with him, even if you walk through pain. There's also a church that loves you, and uh, we would love to walk with you as well, the way that so many of us have had relationships walking with us. Come on, why don't we worship one more time? Let's leave out of here today, worshiping, believing, and trusting God that no matter what we're going through, come on, there's perseverance and strength happening. There's maturity and growth happening on the inside, and, and I know that he's given me wisdom for all that's ahead. Amen? Come on, let's lift up our hands. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We pray that this week ahead, you would go before us, behind us, around us. God, and help us to be better, not bitter. Help us to trust you, even through the moments of life that we may not understand. God, you didn't create pain. You're not the author of pain. But we're thankful that you can even use that pain to come and build strength on the inside. Jesus, we worship you today. We give you all of the glory, all of the honor. Come on, let's sing this out. Let's worship Jesus together. Let's give him some praise. Come on.